This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors Podcast, sponsored by Bemidji State University and Northwest Technical College. The Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors Podcast is also sponsored by Visit Bemidji. Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors covers the lakes, woods, trails, wildlife, and anything else going on outdoors in Paul Bunyan's Playground. Today on the podcast, we head toward the east side of Paul Bunyan Country and find out what's going on in the Grand Rapids area. They're doing a review on a number of lakes, possibly changing the plans for these lakes, and looking for your comments. We'll talk with Dave Weitzel of the Grand Rapids Area Fisheries Office next. But first, if you love the outdoors and are looking for ways to align your education with future employment in the trades, Northwest Technical College in Bemidji is for you. Explore state-of-the-art technical education in six career paths, automotive, building trades, business, health, child care, and manufacturing technology, all in the heart of Minnesota's Northwoods, surrounded by more than 400 lakes and, of course, limitless forests. The shortest path to your dream job and a good bite is at NTC, Bemidji's Technical College. Learn more today. Visit ntcmn.edu. Well, today on Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors, we're headed towards the eastern edge of Paul Bunyan Country and checking in with Dave Weitzel. He is the Grand Rapids Area Fisheries Supervisor. Dave, you guys are getting ready for a big project here in the spring. It looks like you've got a number of lakes uh, that you're going to evaluate and then come up with a new management plan for. Uh, how often does this happen? Yeah, this is uh, something that we do every year. Um, so statewide, a big part of uh, the job of a, of a fisheries manager is to go out and conduct surveys on our fishing lakes. And, um, you know, part of those surveys are, are to really understand the conditions in the lake and determine what kind of fish species are going to thrive there. Uh, and then also identify anything that might be holding these fish populations back. Uh, so every year we'll revise what we call fisheries lake management plans, uh, and these plans will include uh, kind of a, a pretty thorough summary of any past fisheries management actions or research that was done on that lake. Uh, they'll consider uh, kind of the social values, how people value those fisheries, and then identify any kind of biological limiting factors uh, that might be holding the fisheries back. And then we develop uh, goals for the fishery and lay out management strategies to reach those goals. So statewide, we do this on about 250 lakes each uh, winter, kind of based on that previous summer's um, fish survey data. Uh, and what we found is that um, kind of taking the time to talk to our angling public is really useful uh, because these fisheries are really managed for the benefit of the people, much more so than the benefit of the fish themselves. And um, talking to the public really helps us understand how anglers value these fisheries uh, and really helps develop those meaningful goals. Uh, but it also helps us identify areas where maybe we need to do a better job with public communication and educating folks on um, kind of how our fisheries function from a biological sense. So you did this, the surveys last summer on these lakes we're, we're going to talk about. And now, and now we're getting into the public, uh, the the public um, information portion. Correct. Yep. So we, uh, let let's just uh, kind of run through the lakes. You've got eleven lakes you're looking at. Uh, who, what what are the ones we'll be uh, taking a look at this year? Yeah. Well, we looked at uh, several lakes in the Grand Rapids area. Uh, it happened to be that some of our uh, bigger um, uh, socially important walleye fisheries were due for survey. Uh, so we looked at uh, Bowstring Lake, Pacagama Lake, 
uh, Spider Lake, um, some of our smaller walleye lakes, including uh, Little Bowstring and Graves, um, Busty's Lake, uh, Rush Island Lake. Um, we also looked at uh, one of our trout lakes, Tioga Pit, um, and uh, a couple of our uh, panfish lakes, like um, Clubhouse, for example, um, up by Marcel, Minnesota. Uh, and that, that's not a complete list of all the lakes that were surveyed. So- sometimes we'll have, uh, within a management plan, we might lay out a 10-year period where we're going to do three surveys to maybe answer a, a specific question. And once all that data is collected, uh, then we'll revise those management plans. Uh, so last year, um, you know, I think we probably surveyed around 24 lakes. Uh, 11 of them or so are, are due up for a new lake management plan based on the information that was collected last year. So this is not something that's done because you know there's something going on in the lake. This is just um, kind of like getting your annual physical. It's not annual, but uh, every routine, it's just kind of a routine thing you do to the lakes in your area. Yeah, and, and statewide. I, I don't think uh, most people realize that each lake is managed on an individual basis. Uh, so these management plans will, will kind of lay out um, the, the management strategies for the next five to, uh, you know, in some cases it might even be 20 years. So it'll list all of the different surveys that we think are important, our stocking strategies, uh, maybe even regulation strategies. And, and it's all based on uh, again, kind of past performance, what we know about the lake biologically, and then that important social input. Now, there's a couple of lakes uh, on this list, Bowstring and Clubhouse, where it says only updating fisheries information, not walleye stocking. So what do we mean by that? Yeah, in those cases, uh, those lakes aren't stocked with walleye. Uh, Bowstring's an excellent walleye lake, um, but it but it's completely dependent on natural reproduction. It's got excellent spawning habitat, uh, and the fish do very well on their own. So in a case like Bowstring, uh, we might only revise that lake management plan once every 10 years. And in this case, there, there really wasn't any biological or social reason to change the management style out there. So we're simply going to take that old plan from 10 years ago and include the new survey data so that it's up to date. So if people want to know... Uh, what's the status of this bowstring fishery? I've got a nice report that I can send them that's going to summarize that. Uh, in the case of Clubhouse Lake, that's a lake that's really not um, uh, appropriate for walleye management um, because of the habitat and the fish community. Walleye simply aren't well suited for that lake. Uh, so again, in that case, it's mostly updating the the information based on uh, having some new survey results um, to include in a, in a new plan. Seems like some of these lakes are, you know, kind of neighborhood favorites, and then there's others like Bass, Bowstring, Island Jesse, and obviously Pokegama that are that are big regional waters that a lot of people fish from all over the state. Yes, yep, very popular lakes. So, so uh, say somebody who lives in the Twin Cities but fishes a lot on Pokegama, can they can they make an imp- can they make a statement if they want? Yeah, absolutely, um, because these lakes are a statewide resource. Uh, we really do like to hear from everybody that fishes the lake. Um, you know, and it's easy for us to work with our, our local stakeholder groups and our lake associations, and that's very important. It's a great opportunity for us to collect information and outreach, um, but getting that much broader perspective is, is equally important. Um, and that's the nice thing uh, with, with this particular um, 
uh, round of, of comments that we've asked for. Uh, I have been able to hear from folks that, that aren't local to the Grand Rapids area and find out how they value some of these important fisheries. Well, obviously, you know, the public meetings uh, kind of had to go by the board the last couple of years, so that the I'm guessing the website is a much more valuable tool now than it was just a few years ago. Yep, and we've, we're able to, to have some pretty great information on our website. Um, you know, for folks that are looking for our survey uh, reports and, and uh, really kind of the specific information as far as the sizes of the fish that we observed, things along those lines, uh, our Lake Finder tool is an excellent resource. You can enter the name of the lake and the county and find um, not only the fish survey reports, but a lot of water quality information. Oftentimes there's lake maps. It's kind of one-stop shopping for all of the lake information that you might find valuable as an angler. As you look at this list, was there anything on this list, any lakes on this list, that had some concerns or you'd heard some anecdotal evidence from people already that you're looking at, or, or is uh, everything seemed to be in pretty good shape on those lakes? Well, and that's a great question, and um, you know, and that's that's the the reason why we do these surveys. Um, so, you know, given given any round of uh, surveys that we do over the summer, it's very common to to find that most of your fisheries are performing very well. They're meeting the management goals. Um, there's not a lot of big management changes that are needed, uh, but once in a while you do come across some underperforming fisheries. Um, so last summer, uh, we identified two of them that are stocked walleye fisheries. One of them was Busty's Lake, which is an extreme northern Itasca County. Uh, and the other one is Rush Island Lake. Uh, we've been stocking walleye in these lakes for a long period of time, but unfortunately, uh, we're not seeing good survival of young fish. Now, when we stock walleye, we're putting them in uh, at a very young age. They're usually less than a year old. Um, but most people don't realize it takes four years to grow a keeper walleye this far north in Minnesota. Uh, so if those fish aren't surviving their, their first or second winters, we're not really creating a fishery. Unfortunately, um, in the case of Busties in Rush Island, when we do our surveys, what we see is the habitat really isn't that great for walleye to begin with. And those lakes are dominated by high numbers of small northern pike. So it seems like the lake's producing as many predators as, as it can um, but that predator population are dominated by these small northerns, and there simply isn't room for additional walleye. Uh, so in a case like that, uh, we're going to go ahead and kind of review our stocking strategy out there. Uh, maybe we'll continue uh, stocking it. Uh, may- maybe we'll try a different strategy. Uh, or maybe now's the time to hit pause and, and uh, you know, go back in five years and see if the conditions improved um, and then uh, reevaluate it at some point in the future. Um, in other cases, uh, we're able to evaluate things like special regulations. Uh, for example, Bass Lake uh, is one of our um, quality sunfish lakes that's had a five-fish limit on it uh, since 2005. Um, so when we were able to do our survey, uh, you know, again, it's another evaluation point. This regulation's been in place for a long time now. Is it still doing what we want it to do? Uh, and we're happy to, to say that, yeah, it is. When we went out there, we saw a really high percentage of bluegills that were over 8 inches. Um, so, again, whenever you apply a management action, you want to do these surveys to confirm that those management actions are paying off. Um, and then you include that in the management plan, and then uh, at that point kind of decide, okay, what do we need to do moving forward to continue to evaluate these management strategies? 
You know, I believe we were talking last year, and we talked. You, you talked about Bass Lake because we were talking about the the new uh, the panfish limits that were going into effect and the new panfish plan. And and I think Bass was one of the lakes, along with maybe uh, Paimush up here and a few other ones, that had already had the five fish limit and were showing great success. So. Um, those experimental regulations have really helped uh, set the tone for panfish throughout the state. They really do, um, and it takes a while to to evaluate those regulation effects. Um, you know, generally speaking, when we put a regulation in place, we like to keep it in place for at least ten years uh, to allow that fishery to adjust to whatever changes occurred in harvest patterns. Um, but the longer the regulation is in place, the more confidence that you have that your observations are correct. Uh, so on some of these lakes like Bass or Graves in my work area, uh, you know, where we've got a 15-year or longer history, uh, we've got a lot of confidence to be able to say that, yeah, there was a regulation effect. Uh, and if, you know, the goal is indeed to, to produce uh, large bluegill on a consistent basis because anglers value that, um, we're certainly meeting the goals through these regulations. This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast. We're talking with Dave Weitzel, the Grand Rapids Area Fisheries Supervisor, on their lake surveys in that neck of the woods for the coming year. A lot more to cover with Dave next on the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast. If you're fascinated by what you're hearing today, Bemidji State University might be the place for you when it comes to college. They're located amid the lakes and forests of the Northwoods, and it's the only place in Minnesota where you can earn a four-year degree in aquatic biology. It's a state-of-the-art program on the shores of Lake Bemidji, giving you high-tech lakeside facilities and ample opportunity for research and a hands-on education. You can choose fisheries biology, aquatic systems, or wetlands ecology. An aquatic biology education at Minnesota's premier Northwoods University. It's the right fit for you. Visit BemidjiState.edu. Hi, this is Dick Beardsley, Bemidji Area Fishing Guide. I'd like to invite you to come to our beautiful town of Bemidji. We've got over 400 lakes in our area teeming with walleye, pike, muskie, bass, and panfish. We're the gateway to the Chippewa National Forest. We've got miles upon miles of biking and hiking trails. Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox. Fine shops and eateries in downtown Bemidji. Headwaters of the mighty Mississippi at Itasca State Park. Beautiful resorts, hotels, and bed and breakfasts. Visit Bemidji one step further. This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast. I'm Kev Jackson. My guest today, Dave Weitzel, the Grand Rapids Area Fisheries Supervisor. We're talking about a number of lakes up for review in the Grand Rapids area. Island Lake near Northam. Um, that's a lake that, you know, I've heard of for many, many years, and I know a lot of people fish it, but it, yet it's just not that big lake that that you know has that red lake or leech lake status but man it's a it's a consistently good lake yeah it, in fact it, it's so good um and there again it's uh it's a lake that's had a protected slot walleye on it for walleye for um well over a decade now uh and also it's a, a lake that um the, the walleye don't reproduce well in there uh, so over time, through trial and error, we really ha- have found what works well from a stocking standpoint. And every lake's a little different, but in the case of Island, it seems like stocking fry every year uh, has really contributed to uh, a-, a very good fishery. Uh, in fact, when we went and looked at our survey last year and compared that to, uh, to kind of uh, a period before the regulation was in f- effect, we found that uh, not only are there more big walleye, uh, which you'd expect by protecting fish, 
Uh, there's more small walleye than there ever used to be. There, there's just more walleye in general uh, to the point where we think we can actually relax that regulation a little bit and still maintain a high-quality fishery. Um, so this year people might, uh, might hear of us uh, doing a proposal to modify that walleye slot limit to a 20 to 24-inch slot limit. Uh, and allow a little bit uh, more harvest to occur on the lake. We really think that uh, even with some additional harvest, that lake's going to continue to be a really good walleye lake. Um, so we're going to go through a public input process on that one that'll uh, kind of end this fall with a public input meeting here in um, Itasca County and, uh, you know, basically get people's opinion on it and see, do they prefer keeping the restrictive 17 to 26-inch slot or would they like a little bit more harvest opportunity out there? Um, so it'll be interesting to see where that one ends up. But, uh, yeah, from a biological standpoint, um, it, it's a really shining example of an excellent walleye lake. Uh, it's also had a, a pike limit on it, 24 to 36 inches, uh, and that limit is, has functioned very well to where um, the size structure last summer was about the best that we've ever observed. Uh, I think there were some fish that were uh, over 36 inches observed, so uh, also a great pike angling destination. Wow. Yeah, and then the the other one that I think is a, you know, a real key to this is a lake that I think, just anecdotally from the people I talk to, I've heard more and more and more people talking about this lake in the last 10 years than ever before, and that's Pokegama. Um, yep. That lake is not a secret anymore. No, and, and Pekegama is, uh, you know, that's one of our most popular lakes locally. Um, you know, certainly an excellent walleye fishery. Uh, again, the, the, the main issue with the walleye in Pekegama is the lake warms up really slowly in the spring because it's got clear water and it's pretty deep. Uh, so the spawning habitat's actually decent, but it doesn't seem like um, fry survival is very good. So in that case, we stock it annually in the fall, and it's really contributed to uh, a pretty stable and, and very good walleye fishery. Um, the other nice thing about Pekegama, um is that, uh, you know, with that deep water habitat, these walleye are actually able to find some refuge area. So even without a slot limit, we consistently see walleye that are quite old and quite large. Um, so it's got excellent opportunities to get some, some eater-sized fish, but it's also got some excellent opportunities to produce a truly large walleye. Uh, and that's on top of um, an excellent uh, bass population. It's one of our most popular bass lakes. Uh, the northern pike fishery is awesome. Uh, recently, it's really become known as a bluegill lake. In fact, we're implementing a five-fish uh, bag limit for sunfish on Pekegama in response to um, kind of this public interest in, in maintaining these really high-quality sunfish. Um, so, yeah, definitely a, a very good multi-fishery or multi-species fishery. From, from, the, from its shape to its depth to the um, sure numbers of types of fish you can catch there, it's, it's really unique. There, there's not many other lakes anywhere close to that. It's just kind of a unique entity. It's, it's about the only lake I can think of that, that has, you know, this really high-quality fishery for bluegill, which are a warm-water species, but, but we're even able to have a, a, a limited lake trout fishery in the lake um, because the habitat is that diverse. Yeah, and I was talking to Randy Topper. He says it's his favorite lake, but at the same time he tells me he's got a love-hate relationship with it because it can be really maddening to try to find those fish. They've got so many places to hide. 
They, they do uh, an extremely clear water, which is always a challenge. Uh, and then the, the other uh, issue that, you know, for I love Pacagama because I, I live near it, so I fish Pacagama a lot, um, but extremely popular. You know, it's a beautiful lake, and it gets a ton of recreational boat traffic. Um, you know, so if, if you're the kind of angler that's looking to go out on a nice summer day in, in the afternoon uh, and have a quiet experience, Pacagama is probably not the lake for you. Uh, but if you're willing to get up early in the morning or, or um, you know, with the walleye, especially the night fishing, um, I think you'll uh, be pleasantly surprised with the quality of the fishery. Um, a couple that we haven't, I don't think, uh, you, you touched on them a little bit, but uh, we didn't get too depth, in-depth with them. Tell us a little bit about Spider Lake and then Tioga. Yeah, uh, Spider Lake, again, is a very good um, multi-species fishery. Uh, it, it's one that maintains kind of what I'd consider a marginal walleye fishery. It, it, it's been quite stable. Uh, but when we look at the lake, we think that the conditions for walleye are actually pretty good. That The habitat's good. Uh, the northern pike aren't overly abundant out there, so it seems like there should be some predator space for them. Uh, yellow perch are fairly abundant, uh, but we've had bad luck at um, kind of growing that walleye population out there. Uh, so most recently, we've switched from fry stocking to, to fall fingerling stocking. Um, last summer's survey results were uh, underwhelming. We, we didn't see a, a real major change in that walleye population, uh, but sometimes it takes time. So I think in the case of spider, we're going to continue to evaluate fingerling stocking uh, probably for at least another five years and see if that shows signs of promise um, and uh, you know adjust from there. Um, but there again, you know, an excellent multi-species fishery. Um, you know, it's got uh, excellent uh, largemouth bass in particular, although it, it's also got a very good smallmouth bass population. Um, not as much of a panfish lake. Uh, the bluegill up there are extremely slow growing, so they just don't grow large enough to interest anglers. Crappie fishing can be good at times, but the crappie tend to be cyclical, like like in many of our lakes around here. Uh, and historically, it was kind of known as a as a fairly decent musky lake, um, but it was dominated by fish that had um, a lot of shoe pack genetics in them, and over time, those fish have kind of disappeared from the population. Uh, so more recently, we've been trying some stocking with some leech lake strain muskies uh, with the hopes of uh, bringing that population back to what it was maybe a decade ago and providing some additional opportunities there. Okay. Um yeah, so many, and this is just a few of the lakes that you're doing this year. There's you, How many lakes do you guys manage out of that office? Uh, we have 255 lakes <laughs> in, in the Grand Rapids area that have an active fisheries uh, lake management plan on them. Um, so that's, uh, you know, all of those would be in Itasca or the western portion of St. Louis County. Um, you know, and, 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 and we're just one of 29 area fisheries offices. Uh, so statewide, there's thousands of these lake management plans. Yeah, wow. Well, if people want to make their stake and, and uh, let you know what they're thinking, how do they go about doing that? Yeah, they can certainly contact us. There's uh, several good ways to get a hold of us. Uh, one good way is by email, uh, and we can be contacted at grandrapids.fisheries at state.mnus. Uh, or they can contact us by phone at 218-328-8835. Uh, and what I like to tell people is, um, you know, we take comments year-round on any lake. It, it doesn't necessarily have to just be a lake that, that happens to be going through a lake management plan revision. 
Um, you know, our fishery staff are here for the public. We love talking to anglers. Uh, we love the opportunity to send them these reports. Um, so by all means, if you have questions, you know, maybe you're not in the Grand Rapids area, but you have questions about a local lake close to home, reach out to that local area fisheries office. Um, if you go to the DNR's website uh, and look under um, the, some of the different fisheries information, you'll find contact information for all of our area fisheries offices. Uh, and like I say, we, we love hearing from our angling public. Hey, Dave, we were talking, uh, you and I are both Bemidji State University guys. Uh, when did you go to BSU? Uh, I graduated from there in 1999. Okay, and uh, and of course, uh, you went through, I'm guessing, the biology program? Yeah, the aquatic biology program. Um, and of course, uh, that is uh, um, the only, I believe, four-year aquatic biology program in the state of Minnesota. And uh, certainly, um, I talk to a lot of people in the DNR. A lot of them have uh, have been to BSU. I, I talk to a lot of guys who are guides now that uh, that also went to Bemidji State University. Uh, even people who came to play football came because they could play football and go fishing. So fish and Bemidji State University seem to go hand in hand. They're they're hand in hand, and um, you know, and I, during my time there, I think one of the biggest assets was was having the campus right on the water, and that really allowed us to do some pretty neat things uh, that I thought really enhanced the education. You know, and you were talking to me before we got going that uh, you, you know, as you look around at different universities and some with great reputations and, and bigger budgets, uh, BSU still stands stands with them with, with the things they're accomplishing. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and I know they've been involved in a number of the the big projects, um, you know, over in our area, Leech Lake Project, I think the Red Lake Project, and a few others. And they're doing great research all the time. I know there's a guy now who's doing research on, on what muskies eat. I, I'm going to be talking to him down the road. But have they ever uh, been able to help you with any of your projects? Yeah, they they do. Um, you know, a lot of times uh, come come spring when we're busy with our spawn take operations and hatchery operations, and uh, we need to to get some uh, volunteer help on short notice. They've always been very helpful in uh, sending some students over our way and working with us on projects. A lot of our interns have traditionally come out of Bemidji State University uh, and a lot of our krill clerks as well. So um, certainly it's been a great partnership between DNR and uh, Bemidji State University, um, you know, on several projects. I think they do pretty good placement uh, for, for their graduates as well. They, they do, yeah, and uh, they've always had a, a real strong um, partnership with DNR to provide internships for students, um, and, and really that's, that, that uh, directly resulted in, in me ending up working here in, in Minnesota, and my career goes back uh, over 20 years now. Um, but had I not had that first internship opportunity and got a chance to see what a, a fisheries biologist really does, I, I don't think I'd have ended up pursuing the career that I did. Um, so excellent opportunities. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool that they can, you know, go out on the on the ice right now in their new state of the art uh, experimental house and do some projects, and then uh, you know go drill a hole and catch some fish uh, after class is done. Right. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, just a quick question for you. Um, somebody who's maybe in high school listening to the show that's kind of interested, in maybe going into biology. What are some of the classes they might be taking? They are maybe consider taking right now that are going to help them if that's something they're interested in. Yeah, uh, at the high school level, definitely take those science classes. Um, a lot of the, the fisheries management that we do is, is really strongly uh, science-based. 
Uh, but some other skills that are really useful, um, you know, we talk about writing these reports and, and writing lake management plans. So having good writing skills um, is a pretty useful skill to have. And more and more, uh, you know, we've realized, like, like through these uh, public input campaigns, uh, focusing a little bit on those social skills as well. So, um, you know, if you've got some classes or you have the opportunity to put together PowerPoint presentations, for example, and, and present those to the class, um, and getting some confidence in doing uh, public speaking, uh, all of those things are going to go a long ways toward a career in natural resource management. All right. And one more time, Dave, if people want to make uh, some public input on, on the lakes uh, that you're uh, reviewing this spring, uh, where, what should they do again? Yeah, they can contact us by email at grandrapids.fisheries at state.mn.us or give us a call at 218-328-8835. Dave, I expect in a few, probably about a month to a month and a half, we'll probably check in with you and be talking about Winnie and and, uh, and soft water fishing. Hey, we're looking forward to it. Uh, we've got a couple really strong walleye year classes that are coming up in the Winnie system right now, and folks are uh, pretty excited for for the future out there. So we're we're looking forward to uh, a really good year. Um, you know, with this cold weather, uh, you know, it's setting up that it'll maybe be a little bit later than normal ice out. Um, and that can usually set up a, a pretty darn good bite around fishing opener. He's Dave Weitzel from the Grand Rapids Area Fisheries Office checking in with me today. Dave, I appreciate you taking the time, and uh, have a good rest of the winter. Let's hope it's a little warmer. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for having me on today. You've been listening to the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast, sponsored by Northwest Technical College and Bemidji State University. You can catch the radio show Saturdays on KBUN Sports Radio 104.5 in Bemidji, B93.3 in Brainerd, and Kick FM in Alexandria. And of course, multiple times a week, we'll have great stuff for you right here on the podcast. The Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast has also been sponsored by Visit Bemidji.